Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Hello everyone, welcome back to Leftover. This is Arjun. And I'm Connor. And uh, we decided this week, you know what? The timeline, the news cycle, it's all quite it's all quite depressing, isn't it? It's all quite overwhelming. Let's talk about something. At least, you know, this this for me very much a comfort topic. And and I and I'm fairly sure that for both of the, both Connor and for our guest today it is uh, it, it is something that yeah I don't know sometimes you you talk about something and you kind of feel at home and um and uh the last waltz uh, uh the documentary by Martin Scorsese about the the final concert well the not really the final <laughs> concert but the final uh concert <laughs> the, the, in in quotes the final concert yeah of, of, the the, the C- Canadian American band the band uh, answers the question: uh, What would it look like if Martin Scorsese directed a superhero movie? Because uh, <laughs> this move, this every frame of this movie breathes cocaine. Like, <laughs> this is a hundred, This is definitely my Avengers. Yeah. Oh, legit. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate rock music crossover event of all time, really, yeah. isn't it? Uh, um, it was uh, it was performed on on the twenty fifth of November, nineteen seventy six, uh, and it was it was supposed to be a sort of goodbye concert of of the band but like they seem to have quite different ideas about it uh within themselves and we'll get into that uh but it was also supposed to be a celebration of 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 all the different um musical influences uh off the band as well and kind of comprising uh some of the most uh influential musicians of the entire 60s and 70s rock music generation Um, mm-hmm. like, and then the, the final shot with everyone on stage is genuinely, I mean, like you, you, it's, it's difficult to imagine like many other yeah. times when like that amount of talent has been like on one stage at any one point. Every <laughs> guy who went to Woodstock in 1969 was doing the soy face <laughs> Wojak point when they saw that. <laughs> that was their Avengers Endgame moment. They were like, oh... <laughs> 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 pretty much but yeah like i was saying you know like um t- to me this film has a very particular uh v- and-, and a very personal um meaning let's say as well uh but uh i want to h- hear a little bit from you guys i mean when when did you see it for the first time and like what was your sort of initial impressions of Wait, the last waltz oh jan i think you've forgotten to introduce me 
Oh, <laughs> I was I was like, oh shit, we we better get this out of the way soon before we get into the meat. Of the I'm, I'm keeping this I in. I think I'm way. keeping this in. This is I think, <laughs> my last one. Yes, this I, podcast. I think I think I I think I I think I think I've done actually what you did the first time. Oh yeah, we did, we did. I fucking like like a fucking half an hour into our conversation. I was like, oh yeah. By the way, uh, this is all staying in. With our this is all staying in. <laughs> I promise. I'm, I, I promise. I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting worse at this. Like, it's cool. I was just being like, do I, do I say anything? Can I come no, in I'm, yet? I'm, like, I'm, is I'm, it my I'm place? Really, I'm, I'm really glad you did. Well, I feel like I almost didn't need to introduce you because we. It's this three-time returning guest, Jack Frayne Reed of Real Politics. Ooh. I mean, it, it almost feels Thank like this you. is like se- second home, Jack. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's great to welcome, be here. Welcome back. Welcome I've been back. camping and, and, out. Yeah. You can I sometimes mean, yeah. hear me in there, just like <laughs> quietly in the background of the other episodes, listening in on the, the Discord call. <laughs> Breathing heavily. <laughs> That's just because of the Zoom's story. <laughs> Unlike all the performers in this movie, none of us are on cocaine. We're just like this. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not my poison, you know. But uh, no. it de- definitely is of uh, the guys in this film. Everyone in this well, movie yeah, was yeah. on coke. Like it, the amount of sweat, just tremendous amounts. Yeah, tremendous yeah. amounts. You know, it's fucking um, great to be talking about the last waltz, though, because like as I said earlier, this is like my Avengers. It brings together yeah. so many of my favorite people to talk about or to listen to you know and uh like pretty much my my three favorite artists are bob dylan neil young and the rolling stones and not only do you have bob dylan and neil young at this concert but you also have a a blink and you you'll miss him appearance by the stones guitarist (laughs) ronnie wood towards the end so you pretty much got all bases covered for me because i love many of the other artists in this as well i mean you've even you've even got the beatles making an appearance you have you have ringo exactly ringo Ringo and ronnie <laughs> Ringo and Ronnie are just like the the guys guys of their respective yeah. bands. Yeah, 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 you know? exactly. They're just the dudes who are always like hanging out at <laughs> backstage <laughs> drinking. I hate to I hate to use this podcast as a time, but like uh, in defense of Ringo, I think he's a really fucking good drummer. I'm just laying he's out. A great there. Too many people shit on Ringo. Ringo can fucking do drum things. I like he is a good drummer. Like he had to show I have blisters on my fingers at the end of Helter Skelter. <laughs> he went fucking hard on that song. Leave Ringo alone. He's a piece of shit. He was a piece Ringo of shit. Was great. He's a piece of shit in real life, can but leave his music alone, is what I'm saying. <laughs> he is, he, his timing, I mean, like, I listen to, like, you know, I'd say probably, like, the 70s is more my kind of prefer- yeah. preferred aesthetic, but recently I've been going and listening back to the, like, earlier 60s albums of a lot of the bands I like, and although mm-hmm. obviously the Beatles never, re- never made it past 1970. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but Ringo's drumming. I mean, look, I fucking love the late Charlie Watts. I love like Kenny Jones from the Faces and the Small Faces, yeah. or uh, Michael Clark from the Birds. Ringo's got like better time than all of these guys. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like, if you just want pure holding it down 
Ringo is your man. Because well, I think people shit on Ringo because he's not like a show off, like a Keith Moon or something. He's like, yeah, he, he's yeah, a rhythm yeah. drummer, but like he's he, oh, he's got way better time than well, Keith yeah, he Moon. does. No, he does, but like, no, but like Keith Moon's like show offy or whatever. But like the thing with Ringo yeah. is like he's a he's a time drummer, but also you have to think he's a time drummer to the fucking Beatles. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. of course people will shit on him if he's a time drummer to the Beatles. Like, yeah, you, you, well, you don't want like ridiculous like drum you know uh carmine aperture yeah. like you know B- bill bruford drumming on, on on the beatles you know <laughs> it's like you want someone holding it down so that the song can shine and then there are songs mm-hmm. where they go more like out Helter there, Skelter, where Ringo's drumming or, yeah. is mind-blowing yeah like the drum on Helter Skelter is one of the best fucking drums ever. Like no wonder Charlie Manson went fucking insane after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that guy. There are a lot of things that drove that guy insane. But yeah, particularly no, Ringo's drums. Particularly Ringo's drums. Strawberry Fields Forever. Uh, Day in the Life. She said. She said. Incredible drum tracks. Exactly. Anyway, we're going on a yeah, tangent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> came, came. Came. Came here for the. Came here for the band, stayed for the Ringo Starr drumming. Apologia. Nice Ringo apologia. Thank you, leftover. Well, well, well uh, he he and Levon are both singing drummers. You know, not every well, band not, has not, one of not those. just that. I mean, like so so like throughout. I mean, you've got Levon. Oh, Levon is so drumming and singing. Gigs. Anyway, and Le- I mean, Levon is on another level. Like the guy mm. is like in- incredible, he his guts incredible. Out. I- and like I feel like the the more times I watch the last towards the the more impressed I am with like Levon Elms' performances, oh, fu- yeah. but um, but you've you've all like throughout you've got a second drummer as well <laughs> who's like playing like the exact shadow beats to Levon, and then by the end you've got Ringo, so you've got three people. <laughs> <laughs> Three, four drunk. This is what I mean. It's like, a performance that, dedicated if, by cocaine. If, it was sponsored by cocaine. If, 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 if this concert, if this concert isn't like the like the 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 embodiment of like seventies rock, yeah. it says I don't really know what is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about the the double drumming thing. That's really interesting, actually, yeah. because I I didn't I totally did not notice a second drummer i'm wondering if it's dennis saint john who is credited as a guest uh, i don't Good, quite possibly but um <laughs> but because uh, sometimes richard manuel would play drums when levon was playing mandolin or something so yeah they, yeah they, they do have a couple of songs like i think maybe the one with emmy lou harris on the sound stage where they they mm. all kind of swap instruments and of course there's, yeah. there's the moment that you mentioned in the notes are jan uh as uh garth hudson's weird kenny g sax bit <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah, they're, they're playing It Makes No Difference and yeah, then yeah, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden this this mellifluous soulful sax solo <laughs> comes out of nowhere oh. and you're like oh yeah because they've got a horn section you're like who's playing yeah, that yeah. they pan out and it's Garth Hudson at the front of the stage oh, they're yeah. all like multi-instrumentalists oh this movie is yeah, so yeah, yeah. good like, I mean, like that. that it's so uh... oh <laughs> ab- absolutely and like especially at the end like when uh, like the final shot of like the last World sweet. You see, they're all playing different instruments and stuff as well. Like you've yeah. got, um, I can leave on home playing this like tiny like. I think it's a ukulele, I guess, mm. like eight string. Like <laughs> it just like looks. I so, think mandolin. Like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah mandolin. mandolin. Yeah. So like yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, uh, I think you've got Richard Manuel on like a steel slide guitar. 
it kind of like goes a little bit all over the place. But like that's, I mean, there, there, there's something like you can see that like these were musicians like very much like in their prime at their yeah. peak. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. their prime. And even though like there's like, but by this point, like they've spent so many years touring and doing the rock and roll lifestyle and taking shit loads of drugs <laughs> and take like drinking, yeah. you know, like to 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 like, <clears throat> you know, absolute uh, obscene excesses. Yeah. Um, you know, like just there's a certain kind of natural cohesion yeah. there in this music, you know, mm. which is like it's just so tight, yeah. man. Like yeah. when you like when you when like when they start playing, like when Le like when Levon Helm is like just on the drums and like one thing like that's this like consistently like <laughs> kind of almost like gives me like secondhand fears like while looking at like is the the way that like Levon is constantly turning his neck while mm. singing. And he did like, get throat cancer. I later on well yeah well exactly and like I, I just think that like I mean just like he's just constantly looking what, to like, his side the whole time I'm like Jesus do, Christ doing that like I'm yeah. like fuck man like my neck would be so yeah. fucked by yeah. the end of that I think and that like, is that's... generally how drummers do it though yeah. I think Don Henley has a similar position yeah. on yeah. stage you know yeah. um, also I, I think um, it's down to how like obviously the performances but like the way it is filmed and edited is this yeah. did you yeah. know yeah. One yeah. of the assistant, not even the main cinematographer, one of the assistant cinematographers shot movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and The Long Goodbye. Like, like, oh, wait, who was that? Uh, Vilmos Zygmunt. Oh, wow. A great cinematographer. Literally, he, was, yeah, he wasn't even yeah. the main DP. He was the assistant DP. Like, Scorsese Crazy. went all the fuck out <laughs> with, like, hiring all the, ca like, all the camera yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. It, this had two editors. Like, it was, like, just... And I love oh at, at state of the art uh, digital uh, uh, visual effects in one case. Oh, uh, which bit? Neil <laughs> 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 Neil Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cocaine, cocaine booger had to be removed in post <laughs> using what was called the tra traveling booger. Map, oh my god! As referred to, <laughs> as, as, as referred to by Levon Helm in his in his autobiography. Put yeah. Because oh, like crazy. apparently like when Neil Young came on stage, uh, like he had such a massive rock of coke like hanging off, it, <laughs> hanging out of his nose. And like <laughs> it is so funny the amount of people in this and, movie like, who and, have um, cocaine sweats. And, like oh, oh Neil yeah, Neil like, looks fucked. Like he, ge I mean, generally yeah. Neil looks like scruffy and stuff, but he, yeah, he like looks. It, he's it, got this vacant stare, <laughs> like he's out of his mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I think he just finished his like wild horse tour like the night the before crazy or horse, something yeah. like that the, yeah sorry crazy horse tour like the night before or something like that so like yeah he was obviously like probably like pretty yeah. like uh strung out and exhausted oh, from yeah. all of that and then like well, yeah and yeah. then um and uh, uh uh robbie robertson says like as soon as neil young took on stage i could tell no one at winterland was feeling better than he was <laughs> yeah they had to go to uh industrial sound studio uh, industrial what, yeah. is, what are they called uh not sound studio something like industrial light and i don't hang on industrial yeah, light yeah, and magic yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, anyway, it was like the people yeah, who yeah. did Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. And uh, uh, and Robbie Robertson later described this as the most expensive Coke that yeah. I ever bought. Also, like, also, like, wasn't this like made at the height of Scorsese's Coke use? Cause, like, oh, yes. Because yeah. like, oh, didn't yeah, yeah, he yeah. Like, have to go into rehab like before he made Raging Bull? Like, I think it was like yeah. after. Because like, he made this at the same time he made New York, New York. So around the same yeah. time and like New York, New York flopping like sent him into like a depressive stupor. And like the only reason he made movies again is because Robert De Niro is like, hey, do you want to make Raging Bull? And then he stopped using cocaine <laughs> after that. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I think. Well, so New York, New York came out in 77. Yeah. And then I think mm. he holed up in a house with Robbie Robertson oh, doing loads God. of blow and edited this movie. Fucking hell. <laughs> but, yeah, they were living together for a oh time. Oh, my I God. Think. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this was the height of Robbie's uh, cocaine use as well. Oh <laughs> obviously. God. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's the 70s. I mean, like, this is like peak coke years yeah uh, yeah it was the I height mean, yeah, of everyone like, in this film's cocaine use i think oh yeah, yeah this yeah, movie exactly. is like, like a I perfect mean, charter can... of that like everyone from the creative <laughs> team to the people on stage to the people in the audience everyone in this movie <laughs> like yeah but there's a bit where you see like a camera guy behind um the drummer and like he's going up and down trying to reframe the shot but i've never seen a camera guy going that quick <laughs> like he was tweeted <laughs> out to shit. Like, I was like, even when I've been having to reframe a shot, I've never been that quick. Like he's had to take a bump before. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like this this concert was obviously like it it was you know like very much Robbie Robertson's vanity project oh, in yeah. a way. But like I mean, there was also at the same time like no expenses spared, and like uh, the story goes that Robertson had had met. Scorsese once at a screening of Mean Streets before. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, like that's why he sort of wanted them to, like he wanted a mutual friend to like make an introduction when he was thinking of doing this concert. Um, supposedly everyone, like again, like the, one of the difficult things with with uh, trying to assess this like afterwards is that like, well, Rick Danko is no longer with us. Levon Helm is no longer with us. Richard Manuel is no longer with us. Mm. Um, mm. Is is Garth Hudson still, still he alive? Is, he is, but there was a he very is, right? sad post on Twitter recently about how he's uh, his wife died a few years ago who was married to for decades and he's uh, living, right. living in a retirement home and he is apparently sad and lonely and feels forgotten. Oh. So just, oh, just, yeah, just a total downer that's, note that's, there. That's, wow, holy shit. That's and like, I mean, like, Richard, Richard Manuel had like a really tragic end to his life as well. Yeah. And, like, uh, and um, so sad. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, and Robbie Robertson's clearly the one that like came out of this, like with all yeah. the fucking movie credits with Martin Scorsese and yeah. like, you know, like there's this like really recognized name in like the rock and roll, rock and roll uh Sort of canon. Um, he's the guy who's interviewed the and... most in the movie. Like everyone gets like yeah, yeah, exactly. but he's like <laughs> he's the one in the interviews who's like, oh, you know, sixteen it, years exactly. on the road. Exactly, like, it's very much it's very much his yeah. narrative. It's very yeah. much his narrative, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like uh, the due to this film being what it is, I mean, it was like the most lavish fucking shit that you yeah. can imagine. I mean, like. So like five 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 thousand uh, concert goers had a Thanksgiving dinner because this was held on like, on thanks <laughs> on Thanksgiving in in uh, nineteen seventy six on November twenty fifth and um, 
5,000 uh, people paid $25 tickets, which, like, at the time, like, that's, like, obviously quite a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, like, back then, like, tickets would cost, like, like four four to, like, $7 normally. I bet, and... like, fucking Ringo and Ronnie Wood weren't even paying. They were just turning up and mooching off, you know, <laughs> eating, all the, eating all the food for the hard... Yeah, I, I, was, I was in the, the Beatles. I was in the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve this but, lobster uh, because I did Sergeant Pepper's. Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, yeah, like, 6,000 pounds of turkey, apparently. Oh, yeah, over 200 turkeys. 300 pounds of Nova Scotia. <laughs> salmon a thousand pounds of potatoes 90 gallons of gravy five five hundred pounds of cranberry sauce <laughs> 500 pounds of cranberry sauce fucking four hundred gallons of cider 400 pounds of pumpkin pie and about 400 pounds of cocaine yeah this is a <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say yeah most, most, of, the, most <laughs> of the budget went to cocaine yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, not even an exaggeration and, yeah, it like, probably did like. yeah 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 no of course and like and uh and like yeah at the time like you were saying like scorsese was was filming new york new york uh, with liza minnelli and uh, and robert de niro and so obviously like contra- contractually you can't just go off and start filming another movie like well, you're filming this but he just he just said fuck it it was like a long weekend it was like yeah like thanksgiving weekend it was like a long weekend so he just like fucked up for a set and just like filmed this um, he just really uh, but... loves rock and roll i i yeah. want i want to make like an uncut gem style movie about martin scorsese having to flub a week off new york new york to make the last <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he's got to go to play space he's got to go and buy all the cocaine but he's got to sort the yeah, food exactly. and then he's got to go get neil young to come out of the cocaine haze like... it's like somewhere between uncut gems and the disaster yeah. artist <laughs> that's like the only good that would be like a great autobiography because it'd be chaotic it'd be amazing but yeah like um uh he apparently like dug the floor of the uh the winterland ballroom in san francisco where the concert was happening he like dug the floor to like put in special towers for the cameras and oh stuff like by the end like warner brothers were, were backing the movie so like they had like serious funding for it so like Warner Brothers was back in the movie, like each song was like storyboarded. Like there's a reason why wow. the film looks that's, as that's good as insane. it does. That's you know? insane. Like, that is fucking bonkers. It's it's like yeah yeah yeah. I mean like it, like it's an incredibly elaborate fucking production. Fucking and hell. even then, obviously, like like it was just like really fucking tight on stage. Like um, the amount of stuff that like almost happened last minute. Like for example, um, we were talking about Muddy Waters earlier. Uh, like Muddy Waters' performance was almost not filmed because oh, <laughs> because uh, Scorsese uh, got the track list wrong and he told the cameras to all stop rolling. <laughs> but um, because like one of his main cameramen and like someone quite a famous cameraman as well, I can't remember who it was, uh, was like so sick of hearing Scorsese's like shout orders over the over the headphones, he'd just like taken his headphones off, so he didn't hear the order. <laughs> so he kept he, so he kept filming, which is why Muddy Waters is like managed boy 
is only one yeah, camera. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, oh, I noticed yeah. that. Like, there is no elaborate, sh- like... There's, there's yeah, exactly, yeah, like, it's exactly. It's just one shot, and I was like, oh, damn. Like, but like, I think it kind of works, because you're just lingering on him, and then you see the guy in the background. Like, the guy, I forget which one from the band it is, but he's really understanding the assignment when he does the, yeah! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that background, yeah, you hear in the song. Like, oh, that sounds like the one I hear on the pre-recorded one. You did a good job on that. <laughs> Uh, it's an awesome performance. Yeah. It's like uh, they, he does Manish Boy, and uh, yeah. it's like one of those classic braggadocious blues where yeah. it's just like, duh, 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 and it just requires someone really fucking mm. charismatic to deliver it. And 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 uh, it's like in the kind of vein of like Hoochie Coochie Man, like, I was born on yeah, like, yeah. the first <laughs> month of the second day. Of the... It's, it's, so good. it's immediately funny that, like, I know Martin Scorsese yeah, yeah, yeah. like, likes Eric Clapton's music, but it's so funny that he follows Eric like he fo- he follows the Muddy Waters yeah. song with like the worst thing Eric yeah. Clapton just half bars. Yeah, <laughs> they they should have broken those up or used the other. Like I say, they they should have used the other Clapton song which he yeah. did he wrote and sang with Rick Danko. Yeah. It's like, how do you make yeah. Clapton look worse? Like, immediately have him follow Muddy Waters. <laughs> <laughs> this film uh, features not one, but both of the Rebels, the artists behind the, the hit single uh, that came out in 2021. Where have all the Rebels gone? Both Eric Clapton and the great... The greatest Van Morrison appeared in this film. <laughs> you could not ask for a better lineup, honestly. So many, like, 24-carat legends. The Belfast Cowboy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I say without a shred of irony, that Van Morrison performance in this film is one of the best uh, live performances of any song I've ever seen. Oh, he it's great. fucking rips it up. I mean, for a start, it's an unbelievable song. Caravan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just about yeah. wanting to live in a fun caravan with all your friends. <laughs> like, great stuff. And uh, Van is so into it. And he'd been in a period yeah. of, of exile. Like, Van has periodically had these... He's very prolific most of the time, but he's periodically had these periods where he kind of steps out of the limelight. And this one, he hadn't made an album since 1973. And he hadn't been performing live since the subsequent 1974 tour. And... Uh, I may have got the date slightly wrong. It may, he may have done an album in 74, but it had been a good few years. Um, and this was a totally reinvigorating performance for him. You can see it at the end uh, that he does that jump kick, whatever it's called. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> star jump. I don't know, but it's, it's, yeah. it's awesome. Uh, he, he just like jumps up and kicks the air and he does it a few times while they're doing that amazing da 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 la, da 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 climax it's totally transcendent um and uh yeah like i say it was so reinvigorating because another performer at this concert is dr john he does that mm-hmm. awesome song uh such, such a, a night, night. Yeah, i don't yeah. do it yeah so, i love when <laughs> when dr john is like he was like new orleans cajun accent he's like well i like to thank me and all the fellas you know yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like drool uh but then dr john and van morrison i guess probably as a result of this concert i may need that confirmed but they hooked up and uh dr john produced van's uh next comeback which i uh, his great comeback for the time which is a pretty good album called a period of transition 
which kind of some it's such like a self-aware album it's like right so this is my <laughs> my transitional period between uh my period of a wilderness and coming back with my next uh, couple of records like amazing what did van know about his own future but uh <laughs> love it yeah yeah i mean like that, you know kind of going back to that the diversity on stage as well like i was mentioning uh the idea at least from their side was very much to represent all the different um different uh musical styles that had been an influence on the band's music right uh and so according to to robbie robertson um this included uh, eric clapton for the british blues um dr john for the sound of new orleans Joni Mitchell, the queen of women and song, uh, of qu- queen of women singer songwriters. You gotta have um, one woman on your life. You gotta have yeah, one yeah, woman. Exactly. You don't want to overdo and, it. And, 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 and I'm very much gonna come back to the bit where Joni Mitchell comes on stage as well, like which is very peculiar the way they do it. Mm. She, her performance is amazing, but like the way they 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 put it in the film is very very peculiar. Well, she's off stage um, initially. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like she, the, uh, the when she chimes in during "Helpless," that's amazing because yeah. that was like improvised. Like that, I don't think that was even meant. Like I think like the mic was turned on and like didn't, no one really. Like she was just like practicing backstage and she was supposed to come on the like with the, for the next song, and she just like <laughs> sang and like everyone was like, "Where the fuck is that coming from?" Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, like saying "Muddy Waters," the king influencer of Chicago blues and harmonica master Paul Butterfield. Then representing the traditional, uh, the the tradition of Tin Pan Alley, Neil Diamond, the Belfast Cowboy, Ireland's greatest R and B voice, yes. Van Morrison, Bad Neil Young that. to represent our, uh, Neil Young to represent our Canadian roots, and yes. of course Ronnie Hawkins and Bob Dylan. Of course, um, but um, like specifically, like uh, you know how Muddy Waters' bit was not nearly not filmed. Muddy Waters was almost cut out of the lineup as well because. Uh, they said that the lineup was too long mm. and they were looking for acts to cut. Imagine and being like, oh yeah, let's cut like, Muddy Waters. Like, imagine, Muddy like, and, 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 like, Muddy Waters of all people. And, like, Levon Helm apparently, like, threatened to have his Arkansas buddies stomp on them. <laughs> 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 what, on Robbie Robertson or, yeah, or Scorsese? Yeah, no, no. Or on, on whoever was, like, proposing to cut um, Muddy Waters. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the promoter. I can't remember who was proposing to cut Muddy Waters. That, but that's like, great. That's like, like Levon was, like, look, not look. having Look, I know they were friends with Clapton, but out of all the people you could have cut, you could have easily cut him. I, uh, well, Neil, well, he actually wanted to cut Neil Diamond. He was like, "What the yeah, fuck is Neil Diamond?" Yeah, yeah I, Neil I Diamond. agree. I went, well, Neil Diamond was Neil Diamond was there uh, as cross promotion because Robbie Robertson yeah. had produced his last two yeah. albums. He had no, yeah. he had no connection to the band. Yeah, like, the band. He, Neil yeah. Diamond's performance yeah. was okay in like the movie from what I picked up on. It's a it's a pretty good song. I, I don't I yeah, don't, I, don't yeah, dislike I, I like the it. song. I like yeah. the song. I do like the song. But apparently, when Neil Diamond was coming off stage, the rumor goes that he tells Bob Dylan, "Follow this." Fucking <laughs> 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 yeah, hell! Sorry. But, okay, okay. I I, I, regret, I, I retract what I and, said. That's very fucking funny. I, <laughs> that and, and, that and, is and, great. And Bob and, and Bob Dylan says, "What? Go on stage and fall asleep." <laughs> oh, that's very oh, funny. But that's that's classic. That's Dylan cutting to the core as always. Um, what an 
absurd thing to say. I mean, this is Bob at like 1976, just like supercharged. Uh, His his mid-70s style of like shouting everything at the top of his lungs. A deep manly voice. Didn't Scorsese like recently make a documentary about Dylan in that period? Like... He did about his 1975 Rolling Thunder review tour. Yeah, mm. um, I haven't seen a, a, that which... one, but I've heard it's decent. Uh, it's it's very good. Yeah, it includes like a lot of uh, interesting kind of fake news and stuff that is just not true at all. Uh... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> worth worth checking out. Uh, and then his he made a documentary about Dylan uh, in. 2005 i think called no direction home which is very much like yeah, yeah, yeah. for the person looking to get the overview of like the period of dylan's career that is like firmly enshrined in the history books like it stops in 1966 which for me is not satisfying but i'm glad that scorsese went back and uh uh looked at a different period of uh, dylan's career he would actually um, do another leg of the Rolling Thunder review in 76, which I really like, but is considered to be, like, bad vibes by everyone who was on the <laughs> and, like, Dylan was getting divorced and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so I'd say he, uh, he's pretty oh, charged up uh, in this mm-hmm. performance, I think. Uh, and he'd last worked with the band two years prior. They did, like, the first like massive uh, arena and stadium tour of North America. It was like a pioneering thing in terms of like what the Rolling Stones do now sort mm. of thing, uh, you know? Uh, although I guess the Stones themselves had done a couple of things like that in like 69 yeah, yeah. and 72. But like it was, it was like a huge deal at the time because Dylan hadn't toured for eight years and he was doing mm-hmm. his previous tour had been with a band as well, as well as his yeah. soul gig that he did in the interim and I Isle of Wight in nineteen sixty-nine. Like they'd had a very long history, uh, those artists. More so than Neil yeah. Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that the that the funniest thing is, I mean like that's why, you know, when uh, Robbie Robertson's like describing all of these artists, that's why he says, and of course, Ronnie Hawkins and Bob Dylan, because mm. Ronnie Hawkins is is the person under whom they all kind of came together as the band. Like they were, they were Ronnie Hawkins' um, uh, backing band, the Hawks, uh, initially. And then Bob Dylan is kind of <laughs> under whom they became the band. And like they, they were, uh, you know, the, Bob Dylan's backing band during his transition to the electric phase in yeah. 1965. Mm. Um, but... Uh, the funniest part of all of this is like you'd ex- you'd think that there's like this long-standing like camaraderie and like uh, and sort of uh, understanding between them and like you know Robbie Robertson and Bob Dylan like even like uh, you know live together in the hotel for like months while on tour and shit like but Bob Dylan again almost nearly pulled out of his performance like 15 minutes before <laughs> going on stage <laughs> <Fucking> because <hell. laughs> because he was. Filming Ronaldo and um, Clara. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, like he claimed that the two films would uh, compete with one another. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, there wasn't in much the end, competition there, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, in the end, uh, uh, Bill Graham, who's the promoter, who's the owner of the Winterland Ballroom as well, uh, like convinced Bob Dylan to go on stage, like pretty much like five minutes before he was set to go on, uh, under the condition that like for all but two of the songs, the cameras would like be have to be turned away from the stage. Wow. Isn't isn't Bob Dylan like notoriously quite an unpredictable guy? 
Yeah, I've seen the documentary Don't Look Back by um, yeah. what is it, uh, <laughs> D.A. Pennybaker, and like, yeah, you very much get uh, like, well, that's him in the 60s, and obviously he very much changed with his vibes, but like, you get a feeling for like how he is as a person, and he's very like unpredictable in that weird kind of poetic poetic musician way in which yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that, that's just dylan to yeah, a t like, he's, he's bob yeah. dylan do you know yeah. what i mean like <laughs> i'm just describing bob dylan i'm just describing bob yeah, dylan exactly. yeah that is true no, but um, absolutely but but like even even better is that after the performance like immediately after the performance his manager had like the tapes of the concert seized like <laughs> so that they could negotiate the duration Jesus of uh, dylan's fuck. uh appearance the real on... hostage crisis of the yeah, late 70s like, uh, <laughs> like i was quite shocked to read that i was like wow like you'd expect there to be like some some uh, a bit more of like a, a, a sort of convivial relationship yeah. between them well, that's like, the kind of shit that fucking phil Spector used to do like john lennon <laughs> john lennon had to re-record his whole rock and roll album because phil Spector stole the master tape <laughs> 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 to be honest to him phil Spector might have been a prick but knowing john lennon he was probably a bigger prick as well <laughs> uh, the very toxic vibes yeah. in those sessions yeah, like, i'm sure i, 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 I imagine lost week like, no sorry lennon's lost weekend he didn't have yoko <laughs> to keep him in check yeah so knowing lennon, going wild. Like, not to justify what phil Spector did but like knowing john lennon he probably said something really fucking asinine and it just pissed him off and he was like fuck this i'm stealing the mask <laughs> yeah uh, yeah the, the, those guys were <laughs> real characters <laughs> you know uh but well there's a lot of characters at, at this show uh seeing if i can use that to segue into anything oh yeah i i was gonna, yeah. gonna say uh <laughs> maybe talk more about dylan in a minute but like uh yeah. ronnie hawkins who they played with uh back yeah. when they were the hawks obviously named after him before they uh joined up with dylan uh who is who is it that he Robbie Robertson regales us that uh, Ronnie Hawkins told him he'd get more pussy than if he joined Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, son, son, you won't you won't make much money, but you'll get more pussy than Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and like the, like I was saying as well, this is this film holds like I watched this film at a very young yeah. age, and I watched this film many times at a very young age, mm. and that one line really stuck with me <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I didn't even know what the fuck it really meant. I think until like I was a little bit older. Yeah, a lot of but like, well, it's, it's, like, it's like it's like when I, I, I rewatched I rewatched the movie this uh, morning, and I only noted down one quote, and that was the quote. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like yeah, they're talking about like that guy, and he's like, oh yeah, you won't make money, but you get more pussy than Francis. <laughs> I yeah, struck I, me. I was like, "Fucking Jesus!" Robbie was a, a very good-looking young guy. He probably did. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know about Frank Sinatra. That's a high bar to yeah. clear, but <laughs> more than the average smoke. Because that, 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 that is definitely <laughs> one aspect of the movie that made me go, "Is when like." The way they yeah. talk about women, and it's like, how much of yeah, that, exactly. you know, okay? Exactly. Like, well, you know, it's, this is this yeah. is what I was saying. So, like, at some point, like, Martin Scorsese literally just asked him. So, yeah, what about women on the road? 
And Richard Manuel's just like, yeah, I love them. You know, that's the main reason why we do it. And everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. And then like, um, and then saying all of this, by the way, while sitting in a room with just like a Confederate flag. Yeah, right? it's so <laughs> funny when you notice the Confederate flag. And it's like, fucking hell. That Cana- you're Canadian, guys. Like, exactly. <laughs> well, the, exactly. The handshake was in, in 1976. Hey, we just, yeah, yeah. we're having a... And, um... <laughs> And um, and then Levon Helms like yeah, uh, are we even supposed to talk about that? <laughs> Probably we not. No, away, you don't you know? confess then, to crimes on camera. Know? And and then and then uh, saying saying that and then uh, yeah, it's like yeah, women on stage. You know, that's it's not the only reason, but yeah, and they're just like nodding. And then they cut to Joni Mitchell coming yeah. on stage. Yeah. And I was like, come on. <laughs> Guys, seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess like... That's, we- so, di- that's so disrespectful. Yeah, like, yeah, like... It's fucking Joni Mitchell. What, what, what do they say? Like, women on stage. Like, you don't want that or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that is the thing. Like, they must have realised at some point that out of this incredible lineup, they literally had hmm. one woman yeah. in Joni Mitchell. Mm. Uh, and she, to be fair, she gets the most songs of any artist but that i mean that's about as fair as you can be because yeah she is the only woman <laughs> in the lineup and then uh, actually dylan i think gets more songs but she is yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a yeah. close second in the movie then, itself like if you didn't know about any of the other concert stuff like if you're watching the movie well is uh, does dylan uh, is does dylan have more in like the um what's it called the the box the extended one yeah yeah he has uh so he did baby let me follow you down which he and the band used to do in 1966 then they did hazel Mm. which is off the only album that dylan and the band actually recorded together planet waves in 74 then another 60s song which they did in 66 i don't believe you she acts like we never have met uh that is that one in the film I th- I think uh, no, they, I think no. Um, the only ones the only ones in the film are uh, Forever Young. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Follow you down. Yeah, you're right. I, yeah, then I they did Forever have been Young. Of the thing you mentioned where yeah. like Dylan. He, he they they start they start with Forever Young. They go straight into Baby Let Me Follow You Down. Yeah, so they'd already done they, three and then songs. They end, and then they end with um, I Shall Be Released. Like right after that, like they're the last. Those are the last three. Th- tracks on stage yeah that was uh that was just a reprise of baby let me follow yeah. you down that you see in yeah. the film they'd already played a, yeah. a longer version yeah. of that uh right. and then yeah they do i shall be released where dylan and richard manuel duet except <laughs> the cap the yeah. camera was blocked uh, from Richard Manuel was blocked from view, so you can't really see him at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, During the second verse, they just pan out, and you just see the whole stage. Oh, <laughs> like for the first incredible. and the third, you actually see Dylan singing, but for the second, you just pan out, and you can't really see who's singing it. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, it is amazing. Like it's what I was referring to uh, at the beginning, like you have literally everyone there. You have. Um, yeah, I mean every single person that we've mentioned so far, everyone on stage, yeah, singing along to that that chorus, and it's just it's it's a really it's 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 a pretty iconic moment, I would mm. say, in the yeah. history of rock and roll. <laughs> like... <laughs> it, it absolutely is. Like you've got like Joni and Neil at Rick's mic, yeah. I think, like, and yeah. you've got an all Canadian zone, like, you know? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no Yanks allowed, you know. Uh... <laughs> um... Uh, but yeah, it was also uh, something I was uh, uh, I wrote in the notes uh, is how um, like uh, you know like with with the Confederate flag imagery and like the night they drove old Dixie yeah. down like 
the 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 band were like a Canadian group, like appropriating deep south stuff long before Drake. <laughs> wow, yeah, I, I did not see that connection. <laughs> they, they, they were all... Um, I mean, that was kind of, kind of in vogue at the time. I mean, so they made yeah, that yeah, album yeah, with The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down in 1969, yeah. their self-titled record. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then uh, the following year, uh, a British artist, Elton John... Made an, <laughs> and made an album called Tumbleweed Connection, which is full of like uh, Confederate nostalgia ballads and stuff. Like My Father's Gun, Ballad of a Well-Known Gun, Son of Your Father, lots of songs about fathers and guns. Um, great, great record. And around that time as well, Stephen Stills would uh, regale the audience with tales of the South's uh, battles in the Confederacy, <laughs> and uh, he, he named his uh, post CS. SNY, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, uh, band Manassas after a Confederate battle, <laughs> uh, and then of course you, you know I mean, he was a- American at least he was from yeah. Florida, um, mm-hmm. and then you had like uh, you know also another Floridan. This was in the eighties actually. Tom Petty toured in front of a Confederate flag, which he later called up Rolling Stone magazine completely unprompted during um, like some Black Lives Matter <laughs> protests to apologize for. He was like that was totally wrong. So fair play to him. <laughs> And then obviously you had like the you had Skinnerd, <laughs> but, yeah. well, well, the real yeah. Southern rock scene, you know. Well, th- isn't yeah. that greatest yeah, yeah, hits yeah. album like it's just a Confederate flag with Leonard Skinnerd in front of it? Yeah, I mean Skinnerd in the seventies are a bit more of a complex band, but that they're than they're given credit for, like their uh, you know Saturday Night Special and stuff is an anti-gun song, for example. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, then they have they they absolutely like after like most of their members died in a plane crash, they just like, doubled sin- down with the Confederate paraphernalia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put out an album in like uh, two thousand and nine called God and Guns. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> so it's like it's like the Leonard Skinner image we know as mainly like a modern reconstruction of it like cuz it was I'm guessing like there may have been bits of it in some but like as you say it was more complex. Mm. It was after like most of them died in the plane crash when they doubled down on it sort of thing. Was it kind of is it that kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um they replaced uh well their singer Ronnie Van Zant died in the crash mm. and then he was replaced by I think his cousin Johnny Van Zant who is uh <laughs> you know just a kind of like republican piece of shit yeah. like, I, I can't sugarcoat it like they they became bad whereas i think like those skinhead albums in the 70s are like good rock music but yeah they no did no relation no relation to steven van free, free, no yeah. no no not at all no <laughs> yeah, he's he's firmly like you know new jersey not uh, yeah. Although he was not called he was called Miami Steve. He is not from Miami. <laughs> That's okay. I, I knew him as Silvio from Sopranos before I knew he was a musician. Well, yeah. I was like, fucking all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sopranos and Springsteen are like the two most New Jersey things. Yeah, yeah this side of Jersey. Sure, and, Steve, right. and Stevie Van Zandt just happens to be a part of both, which respect. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's clearly the most New Jersey person in existence, <laughs> having. <sort of laughs> <laughs> been associated Which also, with both. A link, a link. Uh, Stevie Van Zandt, fun fact, plays Jerry Vale in The Irishman. Uh, if we're oh, yeah, linking yeah, it yeah. to Scorsese. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, which I still haven't seen. I would recommend uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> you, and which you which, which Robbie Robertson did the music for, apparently, as well, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, as he very much sort of... Uh, Robbie Robertson was very much the winner of all of this. Like, whether that was the intended mm. effect or not, and it's kind of difficult to argue that it wasn't, given, like... <laughs> <Exec> <laughs> given, producer like, Robbie Robertson. <laughs> and, and yeah. like... And, like, what the other band members had to say about him and, like, how their lives turned out and everything. It's kind of hard not to see it that yeah. way. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, like... Um, I mean, like, yeah, for example, uh, like, uh, Levon Helm, when he got diagnosed with throat cancer in 1998, like, his medical bills almost threatened to bankrupt him and make him homeless. Um, they had, like... They held like a festival kind of thing in his house, and then they like raised the money for it and stuff. Yeah, but, like, that's kind of like crazy. It's kind of like crazy when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, like you know that um, if you had the royalties, you know, that th wouldn't this have, is like, would yeah, have, yeah, like, have had to. Like, have, I mean, like yeah, yeah that like Levon Helm is like considered yeah, like he's like rock and roll hall of fame, hall of fame. Like you know, like this guy's like. Um, you know, like one of the one of the most famous drummers like of all time, arguably. Uh, and like, yeah, like that, you know, he's in this position at this point of his life, uh, like Richard Manuel, for example, uh, took his own life, like mm. while on tour in 1986, very tragically, with, just on tour like, with after the a band. concert, on tour with the band, the yeah, re yeah, yeah, the reunited um, band sans exactly. Robbie Robertson, uh, who exactly. then continued as a trio, a trio rather, obviously supplemented by additional yeah. musicians. Um, yeah. But after, I mean, the death of Richard Manuel was absolutely the, the lowest ebb for these guys. I mean, they, mm. uh, in fact, the, the three surviving, or rather, well, Robbie Robertson was surviving, the three surviving people who were still members of the band uh, ended up joining Ringo Starr's All-Star Band in 1988, which is always the, like, the mark of a musician who's slumming it. The band ended, they continued up until the death of Rick Danko yeah. in yeah, 1999 yeah. Uh, of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. I think he was only yeah. in his late 50s. Uh, so that yeah. was another yeah. sad yeah. death. Mm. Um, yeah. But there's actually this documentary that came out a couple of years ago called uh, Once Were Brothers, the story mm. of Robbie Robertson and the band. I mean, it's interesting. I don't remember the record saying Robbie Robertson and the band. Uh, his, I, I, I wasn't aware they were his backing band. Um, and, uh, I mean, and as, at one point, they were actually called the Levon Helm Sextet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Levon was the frontman in the early days. Yeah, but, like, yeah. Um, well, and really, for most of their career, obviously they had, they had three yeah, singers yeah, yeah. um yeah. none of whom were robbie robertson uh, despite him uh, very very uh, prominently pretending to sing throughout the last <laughs> oh, world yeah. embarrassing his his mic with his, was with usually his mic turned, turned off, off yeah, yeah exactly during the performances. Um, and like it's funny sometimes there's like uh you know f f he's singing his heart out and you only hear like two voices and you can see Richard and Rick are both singing or whatever um, and like um, but anyway they put out this film called uh, Once Were Brothers the story of Robbie Robertson and the band uh, which I think is uh, quite a reprehensible piece of work really it's uh, very much him just like uh, you know, oh yeah, my dead bandmates were all just like useless, shiftless drug addicts, and I had to do all the work. <laughs> and it, 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 yeah. whatever the truth, yeah. there may be uh, like a, a heavy element of truth to that, but it, it still is really unedifying the way it comes off. Yeah. And um, yeah. he says something in that which is just like, 
If these guys had wanted to make new music, I would have got back together in a heartbeat. But they didn't. They just wanted oh to do the God. same old thing. The band, uh, after they reunited, rec uh, recorded and released three studio albums without Robbie Robertson. <laughs> None of which are very good, but yeah. they were trying. Yeah. They did want to make music. Um, and they probably would have put out the first one of those uh, in you know sooner than 1993 had one of their... Uh, one of their key voices not died in the interim so I, yeah. I mean you know i'm sure they did want to get back to it back to making stuff uh yeah look, and, and honestly like robbie robertson great guitarist uh a yeah. great songwriter mm -hmm. it's just that he is a huge kind of uh piece uh, of shit well yeah you, you could say <laughs> that I, I don't know the man but he's big on like reputation management you know he spends yeah. a lot of time yeah he yeah, spends yeah, a lot yeah. of time managing his legacy mm. in a way he reminds me a little bit of dr dre you know he reminds me a little bit of dr dre in the way he like likes to clean up his image and like likes to kind of take credit for shit which a lot of other people were involved yeah. in <laughs> like which he he might have like only played a part of you know um uh, and uh, I mean, like, Levon Helm famously hated The Last Waltz, mm. uh, the, the film. Um, uh, afterwards, he said, as far as I, I was concerned, the movie was a disaster. For two hours at a screening, we watched as the camera focused almost exclusively on Robbie Robertson. <laughs> long and loving close-ups of his heavily made-up face and expensive haircut. The film was edited so it looked like Robbie was conducting the band with expansive waves from his guitar neck. The muscles on his neck stood out like chords when he sang so powerfully into his switched off this is great I mean the thing is everything everything that Levon Helm says about The Last Waltz is true but it's yeah. still great yeah the music yeah. is just yeah. that it is it is I mean, well, it's, it's that it, kind I of mean, thing it's, it's, of yeah. like I can understand why Levon Helm hated it because seeing it as like a Robbie Robertson you know vanity project but like yeah. I think even with yeah. that in mind, like maybe bar the interviews, like it still does do a lot of focus on, you know, the supporting artists and like you do see yeah. Levon Helm through a lot of that movie, you see him singing yeah. his fucking heart out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I guess it helps yeah. that uh, Robertson was never the lead singer of the band. I think maybe yeah. he sang one or two songs in their whole career, and they're not played here. So, <laughs> he, uh, so, so yeah, it, you, not was wasn't his strong suit. No. Yeah, it, it can't <laughs> it can't help but uh, foreground the three actual singers of the band plus Garth Hudson. Mm. Often uh, that yeah. was one of the big things about the band was like obviously on, well on the 1966 Bob Dylan tour, Robbie Robertson would pretty much tear it up with some fiery leads a lot mm. of the time but then when the band went out on their own their big kind of thing was like we're all about the songs man like we don't care about mm. solos we you know it made eric yeah. clapton quit cream and make the layla album because <laughs> uh he obviously had other reasons to make the layla album being in love with his best friend's wife but uh who <laughs> was george harrison uh, but, but but they um but, but 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 no but he he was so inspired and loads of people were by the fact that music from big pink was all just like about the songs there was you know maybe the old tasty lick on it but there was no solos yeah. or anything yeah. it wasn't no. like guitar pyrotechnics and often garth hudson 
would play more of a lead role. Uh, and we yeah. get to see Garth Hudson, like, full 1976. He's got his massive rig of keyboards and he's, in- yeah, yeah, he's yeah. introduced a lot of synthesizers to the rig over the yeah. previous few years. And so we get to <laughs> yeah, hear yeah, him yeah. doing some real, like, like far Prog, out stuff. Prog is very much in the ascendancy at this point and, like, you know, he is he is very much embracing, like, the, the spirit of psychedelia. Yeah. And, and yeah. Prog. And, like, some of, some, of, some of the stuff. Like, I think that that weird like interlude thing he does. I think that's from uh, chest fever. The genetic think... method, yeah. yeah, which goes into yeah, chest yeah, fever. exactly. Although they then yeah. they then cut chest fever. There's yeah, then they 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 cut that and then they just like go straight to Ophelia. Um, mm. But um, yeah, like that bit. Yeah, it's like very like seventies prog, like self indulgent, like yeah. <laughs> synth solos. But yeah, it's great. Like I love it. Like, yeah, I mean, at least it's someone other than Robbie getting to indulge himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I we haven't really talked about the Joni Mitchell performance. That is one of the yeah. highlights for me. Oh, yeah. it's great. Obvi- it's obviously, she fantastic. comes in. In fact, earlier I was saying, uh, just before, because Joni did quite a few songs. Uh, we were saying how she's literally the only woman on the line. But then maybe they realized this in post production because yeah. they they went to the sound <laughs> they put stage. Emily Harris. They put Emmy Lou Harris, who's obviously a legend in her own right, yeah. and the staple yeah. singers, who yeah. although they also, yeah. they also include the great pop staples, they are mostly yeah. women. So they oh my god, but his vocals bit. are so good. Oh, oh my yeah. god, it, like, it, it took me they're so smooth. They're so Holy laid shit. back. <laughs> like, it's like he's whispering. oh my god, like it's so, it's so it's so effortless. Oh, like it just Come, like butter. It's like, yeah. it's like maybe you could say the performance of the weight is cheating. It's so well filmed and performed that you don't give a shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, like it's like it, this, it, this it's is too good. Just, like, you know. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, every documentary is a fabrication. Yeah. In no way does this film provide an accurate uh, complete representation of this, like, uh, but you have this four-hour four concert. But you're having <laughs> Scorsese. Yeah, the film. documentary. The documentary is not the concert. Yeah, yeah. they are two different things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you're having like Scorsese film a performance of the weight, and you have the staples there. Like, yeah, let them go crazy with it, even if they're shooting on a fucking <laughs> sound stage. You know, let them have these crazy yeah. camera movements. Like, you know. And yeah, like the M- Emily Harris, what's it, Evangeline? I think that that's the song they do. Yeah, um, great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's 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 yeah, that, that that's that's lovely as well. Uh, and w- which other ones did they do on the soundstage? It was like the staples. They do the final. Evangeline they do and... like the final bit after the last performance, where it's just the well, band. yeah, like, I mean, like that's the, um, like a the the, the last waltz suite. Yeah. yeah, the last waltz suite. Yeah, yeah, like, it's interesting. Yeah, they, they sort of. They recorded about an album's worth of studio or soundstage material for this, Mm. like The Well, Mm. Evangeline, Out of the Blue, The Wait, obviously, which we just talked about, The Last Waltz Refrain, and Theme from The Last Waltz. So yeah, about like an EP's worth of kind of new new material, which would really be like their last... Wait, was The Wait done for this movie? Uh, not originally. Oh, okay. no, I was gonna sorry. say that'd be insane. No. I was like, "What the? Yeah, fuck? No, 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 no. The, the new version. No, it's on their first album. Ah, okay. It's on music. For it's me. from their debut album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so it was already kind of a standard by this yeah. point. But uh, but yeah, they did. They recorded that new version of the it. way is actually on my pubs 
like one of my pubs playlists. Oh, great! Like the way the, the way and up on Cripple Creek. Like I mean, like nice. the, the like yeah. Like I mean, it's just like my, my pub has a very weird playlist, and a lot of like a lot of the music I can't stand it. But like every now and then, like there'll be like a song by the band. <laughs> like, nice. Like, okay, See, that's, that's the thing. Like, like <laughs> our pub has a jukebox, and speaking about beef with Neil Diamond yeah. in this movie, whenever someone puts <laughs> Sweet Caroline in the jukebox, I want to like. Yeah. Go irate. <laughs> <laughs> see, see Barry heading towards the Duke box. Don't put on Sweet Caroline. <laughs> I mean, probably for, for me, like I over Neil Diamond, the performance I'd cut from this is probably Paul Butterfield. I, I, I yeah, find yeah, that yeah. sort that song. It's probably the most forgettable. That, one. The, I mean, not the song. Mystery Train is a fine song, but that, this version of it is very uninspiring. And uh, yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean possibly i'd even take clapton over that it's definitely yeah you know you get muddy waters around the same time so you know you get a bit bluesed out at that at that point not that i don't like blues but yeah. when 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 that came on when i was rewatching, i was like oh it's that bit like it's like <laughs> it's always that bit that you <laughs> that you forget yeah 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 and they cut and considering like how the, it's the bit they, where they you cut... go off to the toilet and have like a quick yeah. <laughs> I, I would a hundred percent rather have uh bobby charles and dr john doing down south in new orleans on in the film than the fucking uh poor butterfield performance but you know yeah. i'll stop shitting on butterfield now uh, <laughs> uh, and and say say some some nice shit about Joni Mitchell because yeah she yeah, comes on yeah. for helpless so she's just like at the side of the stage yeah. singing into a, yeah. a mic like shrouded uh I guess like just surrounded by the curtains for the stage uh yeah. yeah and um yeah then then Neil Young uh it's not featured in the film but at the concert he performed as a second song without Joni at this time which was Four Strong Winds which is a kind of Canadian folk song by Ian Tyson performed by Ian and Sylvia uh, back I guess back in the 60s but Neil Young covered it on his uh not his next studio album his his album after next uh after this this performance and uh that was probably because it was a Canadian song something that most of the band all knew as well and that he they kind of shared in common with Neil so you shit gets really Canadian at this point in the performance with, with <laughs> Neil and Joni being brought in then uh, then yeah Neil goes off and Joni comes on and performs Coyote yeah um mm -hmm. like which is an awesome song she wrote about the playwright Sam Shepard who I think she had an affair with when she was like on this road trip in 1976 where she ended up uh, writing her brilliant album Hegira which came out this this year and is that year and is one of her best albums I think mm. uh po possibly her best um mm. this an awesome version of Coyote like they rock it up a bit I don't think yeah. it even has like drums on the original um and uh there's actually uh speaking of Scorsese uh there's a really cool like backstage performance of uh no, it's not backstage. It's at the house of Gordon Lightfoot, the Canadian singer-songwriter uh, that appears in the Rolling Thunder review documentary Scorsese made a couple of years ago, um, the Dylan one. Uh, yeah. And it's like Dylan and Roger McGuinn from The Birds and various people mm. all like playing acoustic guitars along with Joni playing this song Coyote, which she'd only just written. Nice. Ah, okay. Nice. Ve nice. very cool uh yeah then nice. then she does her song shadows and light which again is i don't mm. think that's featured in the film 
it is but yeah. furry sings the blues is which again i think neil is neil then performs off stage for this one because um on the original version of this on Joni's for hissing of the summer lawns album neil uh or actually is this on hedger as well i'm ah oh, shit shut up Ah, they're, they're, all, 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 all those mid seventies Joni albums are so good. Uh, that's my favorite period of, of her work. But I guess those two are kind of blending together. But like, yeah, um, yeah. That on Furry Sings the Blues, the original version, Neil plays harmonica throughout the whole song, and uh, he reprises that here. And then both Neil and Joni um, perform the band's song Acadian Driftwood with them, which again I don't think is featured in the film. So I think the only one in the film is Coyote. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you might you might be right. Actually, yeah, I mm-hmm. think I think I think I'm pretty sure the only one featured in the film is 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 the performance of Coyote. Well, that's a shame because there's you get yeah, a really yeah. tantalizing look at uh, you know this mini set of the band and Joni mm-hmm. Mitchell and Neil Young all mm-hmm. all collaborating together, which yeah, uh, is yeah. for me one of uh, the highlights of this this extended run is one of the highlights Can- like Canada the Canada connection yes yes <laughs> you heard of the French connection that was heroin the, ca- the Canada connection the is French Canadian connection. <laughs> the Quebec connection the Quebec connection the connection <laughs> um, but yeah um uh, I think with um, the the very first thing that you see as well is the the encore song, yeah. and it's um, it's their cover of a Marvin Gaye song. Oh yeah, don't um, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I think the the original is "Baby, Don't You Do It," and then yeah, like the like you can see like when they're coming on stage at this point. I think it was like the fifth hour of this concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've done all the jams <laughs> they're and all stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all like super, like strung out, and you can see like they're they're pretty much like done at this point. And like Robbie Robertson just gets on stage, with a cigarette in his mouth, and just says, uh, "Is we still here?" Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I bet for that one, uh, Industrial Light and Magic had to like go through every one of everyone's <laughs> one by one. <laughs> like, look, we just did Star Wars. We have the money to do this. Yeah. <laughs> they're all stepping out back from backstage <laughs> see like if George Lucas had directed this this would be getting a remaster every five years yeah. so... <laughs> they'd be adding in like contemporary pop stars and stuff it was George yeah. Lucas they added, like, they, they Dua added... Lipa who joins the band they added the two part hologram from Coachella like, <laughs> like, like how they like how they do like a version of Live Aid like every ten years or Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it's almost kind of sad you look at like how some of the same performers are here, by which I mainly mean Bob Dylan performed at live. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The 80s did a number of like, these guys. Is, is, isn't that like, isn't that famous? footage of like Bob Dylan singing in the Live Aid performance and he just like looks absolutely miserable and just like doesn't look like he well, wants like, to be oh, yeah. there or well, as I, ever or Ronnie, Wood was, Ronnie Wood was just along for the ride like him and Keith Richards <laughs> were just strumming out of tune acoustic guitars behind Bob so, I think the last waltz obviously not for every artist involved but 
but it's like a great document of like when these artists were last at their fully greatest sort of thing. Because as yeah. you said, like the eighties yeah. did a number on and those not, bands not from the sixties and seventies. Like it fucked yeah. them up. Like, Almost all of them. Yeah. yeah. Without exception, and pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that that's the thing. It's not just these artists individually. It's like it's about that whole culture. It's about rock and roll and as a whole. It's like this documentary is almost like a swan song yeah. of that whole generation and, and that era it does way, feel you know? like, like an yeah. end to that type of rock music yeah I, 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 absolutely you know like and and like after that like this is like the concert was in 1976 the film came yeah, out in 1978 disco, and then, like, had... by that yeah. point you know like that kind of rock music was pretty much done. Yeah, wow. this kind oh, like, of rootsy rock, which incorporates yeah. heavy like metal, was yeah. phasing country in, and soul. Got to prog yeah. rock and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you've got like prog rock. You've got like uh, kind of punk. Uh, you've got like early uh, like metal and this kind of stuff like happening and like that. Well, and super the original smooth sort of, like, rock as well. Like yeah. Yeah, it's important to remember, and, yeah, 1977 yeah, yeah. wasn't just the year of punk. It was the year of Hotel California yeah. and rumors, <laughs> rumors, yeah, yeah. legit. <laughs> like, oh shit! Because yeah, like, yeah, rumors yeah, yeah, almost yeah. has yeah. like a slight country tinge in it, but it's very clean. It's very clean exactly, and accessible. Yeah. Which yeah. was kind of the aesthetic at the time. It's like the rock doesn't feel rustic anymore. It's that kind of clean. It, not bad. Very, very, very good. Some of the best songs of all time. But it's kind of like much cleaner and less. You know. We, yeah yeah it's an almost interesting statement it's like yeah this era is basically over now because like i think even at the time even though these artists were still great it was becoming outdated like by the yeah. mid-70s it was like music had evolved like because even before the mid-70s that's when you, you had your your prog rockers like pink floyd and everyone sort of entering like rock was evolving and becoming a different thing and like heavy metal was you know becoming the scene you know yeah, Sabbath and all those artists sort of evolving and like I guess, you know, it, as it says, it's like it's the last breath before it is completely old fashioned. <laughs> like Yeah, this is I mean, it's a kind of rock music that I guess bands who sound like this now would generally kind of fall into like the the roots rock category yeah. or sort of like some of them might get labeled alt country yeah um, but it, it but it's bands it but i mean that kind of simplifies it because like these are bands that are very influenced by both black and white music like mm. the band are as much influenced by r&b and blues yeah. as they are country uh, it's like and, and you can hear all that or like in early 70s Rolling Stones albums. It's like a it's a like they're, they're kind of like a miasma of traditional American mm. genres. Yeah. Be it blues or soul or more contemporary R&B or country or uh, what different types of blues. You know, there's all yeah. like region regional uh, nuances to blues and country. Um you know, and, and and the band like very much took that kind of approach, and yeah, I mean that would all uh, around nineteen seventy six uh, fade into uh, a kind of preoccupation with modernity, yeah, and slickness, and uh, and how clean 
something yeah. can sound. But well, I mean, in 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 the last worlds, Levon Helm has this quote, right? And he's talking about like from Memphis, and yeah, like the music's kind of the most important thing. And he's he's speaking to Scorsese, and he's saying, yeah, bluegrass or country music, if it comes down to that area and mixes with the rhythm. And if it dances, then you've got a combination of all of these different kinds of music. And Scorsese is like, yeah, so what, what's that called then? And he says, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, you know, you can, you can kind of like, you can obviously sum up this music. It's just like, it's rock. But yeah. it's so much more than it's, that. It's rock yeah. and roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going back, this, yeah, this is going back to the first generation of this kind of rock music that mm. had gone beyond rock and roll and where, where the influences... Well, the Woodstock have... guys, as they say in the movie, like a lot of them mm. were at Woodstock. I think that's quite a mm-hmm. significant... Like when they mentioned that, like... Because I think... The band did play Woodstock, yeah, actually. Yeah, and, and did they, they back think... for a lot and... of people at Woodstock as well? Like they, I think they didn't. They'd gone out on their own by that point. Yeah. So you, there, there was this big, like, 50-disc Woodstock uh, 50th anniversary <laughs> box set that came out, like, a couple couple of years ago well 2019 when it was the anniversary Mm. uh but that had the band's full set on it amongst uh i think everyone else who played the festival apart from the grateful dead who still refused to allow their set to be released (laughs) apparently it sucked so bad like every dead gets released eventually so it must be really awful (laughs) but the band yeah the band did play that one and uh i think that they're mainly associated with woodstock because they lived in woodstock the town um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where they they. Indi- I mean the 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 big pink. Yes, house exactly. Was like in Woodstock. That's and in the basement of there, they recorded yeah. the basement tapes with Bob Dylan. Which, yeah, exactly. Which was like the legendary that and uh, like well the Beach Boys Smile were like the original like lost albums. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the in the late sixties, like everyone everyone who was anyone in the music industry would have like some kind of acetate record with uh, un- unreleased <laughs> Dylan and the band tracks from Woodstock on. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys ever seen that that clip from i think it's like one of those like um you know porn shop uh um reality tv oh, shows yeah. and this guy gets like gets like this this record of bob dylan and <laughs> tries to go get <laughs> yeah it's, it's self-portrait by bob dylan and this guy is convinced that he can get like 70 or 80 dollars <laughs> for it um and then like he ends up getting getting a certain amount of money and then like the owner is like uh, oh, to, to, to one of his uh, employee, uh, employees, he's like, oh, yeah, um, Bob Dylan is actually in Las Vegas on a show. I need I want you to go go out there, find him and get a get a signature. And he's like, oh, OK, cool. I'll go do that. And so like very uh, reality TV, like he's gone out into the middle of Vegas. To look Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, so and, staged, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. yeah. And then, like, he and then he and then he bumps into Bob Dylan. Whoa! And then he and and then and then he gets Bob Dylan to sign the album in his name, <laughs> like to his name. Fantastic! And so he comes, he comes back and shows it to his boss, and then his boss is like, "Well, like, why did you get him to sign it with your name? <laughs> I can't sell. The, I can't sell this now. You know what? 
just keep it. <laughs> and, the guy just, and the guy just walks off really happy. Oh, he, <laughs> that guy, he's, he's going to have endless hours of uh, musical enjoyment of uh, such recordings as Bob Dylan's uh, version of The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel, oh, where he sings oh, both for uh, Simon and Garfunkel parts. That cover fucking sucks. He does, he does <laughs> a, a I, self-harmony. I, I, it's fun. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a beef with that. Because I know, I, I just think the box is this is my most boomer take, but it's one of the finest songs ever written. So I'm not like, <laughs> very good song. Yeah. Well, Dylan clearly thinks so yeah. too. Yeah, or maybe oh, yeah, maybe fair. he doesn't. Yeah, maybe he's like, this is a load of shit. I'm, I'm gonna but, like, I'm not even the biggest this. like Simon and Garfunkel. But didn't they do a song mocking Dylan? They didn't. No, that is no, that is. That is that is a very very Possibly. good song. I, I will say that I don't even like Simon and Garfunkel. But like the boxer much, is just a, is a very a good fine. Song. Like the last. Yeah minute and a half of that yeah. song is like some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. I'm like, damn, fuck. Very, <laughs> they went off music. with that one. <laughs> Acclaimed classic <laughs> <of> the boxer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think like just, just, just talking about how like this, um, you know, like what, what I was alluding to earlier about like the significance that this movie has for me, like, and how many times I watched it as a kid. Mm. And like, you know, I think like this, this movie was just like on in the house, like from like, I must've been about like nine, nine or 10 years old. Um, and I mean, you know, like Bob Dylan is like the first artist that I like got into as a kid, mm. you know, in the first same, place. Same. And then, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, that's why I've always felt like we've had this sort of like unspoken kinship Absolutely, just over man. Bob Dylan. Bonded by Bob. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, especially this album, you know, like kind of like really opened my eyes to like a lot of the a, a, a sort of a, a, a wider spectrum of music from that time. And even though, like, I didn't really know the sort of context of a lot of it, the musical context or the political, the cultural context of a lot of it, um, you know, like, that music was representative of a lot more than just the music, you know? Because, like, mm. um, you know, you know, when I, when I see those people, like, on stage, like they look like my parents' friends when I was young, you know. Like they look like they like it, it's it's a kind of look. It's a type of aesthetic. It's a type of you know like like the nineties growing up in Calcutta, mm. like in a sort of pretty left wing uh, environment, I guess. Yeah. Uh, very very much under the shadow of the 60s and like the 60s holds a lot of significance outside of Europe and and you know like 1968 as well like I mean in Bengal you have the Naxalites in the 60s and like you know you had this like huge revolution like armed revolution um uh you know against uh the, the state government especially in West Bengal which like spreads to like many other parts of the country um in 1967 you know uh, and um you know like the the, the politics of that time the 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 sort of the aspirations at that time i guess you know were very much still carried over by my parents generation and you know were very much what i would say i was brought up influenced by and under you know and so like watching watching this film you know like even going back to it now like as soon as that first chord starts playing, you know, like there's mm. something about it. Yeah. Like it kind yeah. of like, 
it kind of like resonates with me like and like i was saying at the beginning like home you know like there's yeah like a cer- a certain sense of sort of belonging almost in this music yeah <laughs> you know, that, that you can kind of find what? and no, so yeah right. like i don't know I, I don't know if i if i've really sort of if there's really any substitute or any parallel for it you know like and that's that's why like i, I like this film in particular like holds such a such a special place for me. Absolutely. I mean, like, I, for the first time recently, watched this film with friends, which I think I'd always mm. wanted to do, but I guess mm-hmm. I never had a group of friends who wanted to watch The Last Waltz collectively. <laughs> uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But I, I just happened to be in the right situation uh, where we put it on. And, um, yeah, it was great, kind of just uh, sitting through, you know, all our faves. Van Clapton, you know, the classic No, actually the guys I was with, I, I was trying to I was playing devil's advocate on Clapton. I was trying to say, well look, it's got some good records. But but no, like I mean we did all love the Van performance and why the fuck wouldn't mm. you? You're just denying if you're yeah, like, oh yeah. Van Morrison's an asshole. Well so what? That, that performance <laughs> of Caravan is magnificent. I love I love his live performance of comfortably numb the Included in the Departed soundtrack. Oh yeah, yeah that's great. Well. I mean, he's if I was a, talking a, about another Scorsese movie, look, he's so much of a better singer than anyone in Pink Floyd. Well, like that live <laughs> version fucking kicks ass. Like it fucking owns. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I think this is just a great hangout film as well. And yeah. I had to, you mm-hmm. know, I had a good time watching it by myself last night as well just to refresh my memory but uh it you know in whatever context it it, it's like a comforting balm i mean so what if it was you know designed to comfort the ego of robbie robertson it serves multiple purposes uh yeah and one of one of which is to uh, to entertain and to warm the heart of people (laughs) people who enjoy great music that's just that's the thing like I mean, this is my, what, second time having watched it, and, like, I'm not, like, fully accustomed with, like, the whole set list, so, like, I don't have that attachment, but I still mm-hmm. feel swept up when I'm watching it. Like, it has that kind yeah. of almost magic feeling to it, because it is yeah. almost mm-hmm. like you're just seeing everyone do their fucking best and, like, going yeah. full out. And it, this is in their element. Yeah. That's the thing, you know. And they're just like so. Despite all the like, clearly there's like tensions. Clearly there's a lot of burnout. Clearly there's a lot of exhaustion, substance abuse, like mental health problems. All of these kinds of things in the background, and you can tell. Uh, but at the end of the day, when they're on stage, yeah. you know, there's just like that magic. <laughs> you know, like there's really it, no. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot no like obviously this is a more recent. Well, not re- well recently constructed but it's a lot like the get back documentary that came out yeah like, yeah i, I what's um, that the, the, the beatles documentary that came out recently oh like, I i've only seen, seen the no, first yeah. two parts but it's all like the first part and a half but it's so exhilarating because mm. like you feel those tensions and you mm. get bits where like mm. you know george leaves but then you do get those bits like 
that everyone posted on Twitter where Paul McCartney just gets that song out of his ass and he's just he gets like, back. Mm. Yeah, like and it's just like, oh, and like you just and like that's why I got really annoyed when you got people on Twitter saying stuff like, oh, why do we need this long a documentary about the Beatles? But I'm like, you just get to see the process and you get to see yeah, someone in yeah. their prime yeah. Yeah. create something. Obviously, with the last ones, they're already doing pre-recorded songs, but like. Live performances, in a way, is like doing something new, like the way you play with performers and, you know, yeah. adapt to the stuff on stage. You're always having to adapt, even if the song already exists, because it's, you know, it's a fucking performance. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just don't think that we should be listening to more music just by straight white guys anymore. You know? <laughs> oh, no, I've been doing this so bit. wrong. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like, you know, it's just a bit overdone. It's like, it's like, <laughs> look, if you don't like the Beatles, fine. But I'm sick of people online thinking they're original, where it's like, I don't like the Beatles. I'm like, oh, that is the most original. Yeah. I'm not even the biggest Beatles no, fan, like... but like everyone thinks they're like breaking new ground when they say that. I'm yeah, like, I mean, oh, like, I prefer the, the Stones, but the Beatles, you know, they're fucking great, man. They're foundational. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, Saying saying the Beatles sucks is not a replacement for a personality. Yeah. I think yeah, 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 you cannot like the Beatles, that. but like people who like whenever you tweet about a Beatles song just have to reply being like, "Oh, they suck." Actually, I'm like, shut up! You know, you're boring. Yeah. Shut the fuck up! You're not interesting because you're yeah. like, like, oh goddamn, hundred uh, percent. Like, yeah, I know, I know, John Lennon wasn't a great guy. Like, it's a, but, so, yeah. but when him and Paul McCartney got together, good. For things happen musically like i'm sorry and also you can I mean, use like, that argument I mean, like, for 90 percent of musicians almost, like yeah exactly almost almost all art is created by pieces of shit like robbie like, robertson it's just yeah. A, yeah, exactly like you just have to fucking deal with it like yeah and like yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that the that the that the music itself is is bad yeah Do you know what i mean um and yeah, I, I guess we can we can uh, get into a whole different discussion going into this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do a whole like, death of the author episode. <laughs> I mean, the thing with this, yeah. none of us get uh, have to feel too uh, conflicted, other than about the like uh, you know pl- yeah. fluffing up Robbie Robertson's reputation thing, uh, yeah. and even that is more him being an asshole than like an actively like evil yeah. malevolent guy. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 but, yeah. But 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 you know, I guess there's. You know, Eric Clapton, due to his uh, current stances and some things he's said in the past as well, uh, you know, people might feel conflicted about that. Yeah. If we didn't yeah. all think that his performance was one of the most boring in the film anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, like, and it's almost like the film signposts that by having immediate, him immediately follow Muddy Waters. It's, it's yeah, like, like, this is how you do it, and this is some other shit. Like. <laughs> yeah, so it's like this, you could feel bad about him being included in his performance in the film. At least the one you see in the film and none of the other ones that may have not been included in the film does suck us. So it's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, was there much more that you guys wanted to chat about? Because like, I'm... I'm, to, I'm scratching my head. I, I was going to say... Ha- but happy, happy, happy to wrap things I up. I was going to say how well, even yeah. though the documentary aspects of this film are very bare, if any of you haven't, to all the viewers, I highly recommend... Two other Scorsese documentaries being Italian American and American Boy, because like 
there are glimpses of that kind of style in this movie when it's just him sitting mm. amongst um you know members of the band and stuff but like his 70s documentaries in particular are just very interesting and like they have this kind of well not italian american that's like a sweet one but like american boy has this like seedy feeling to it like and it's like it's it's almost like CD Louis Farouk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like if Louis Farouk was doing cocaine with the subjects. Like, yeah, yeah, like, That's um, great. But yeah, I, I'd highly recommend them. But yeah, I just love this movie, and I could go on about uh, Scorsese movies for like seven hours. <laughs> so I will stop. I mean, like, leave on Helm, leave on Helm. Like, apparently, really disliked that a quote. Nervous and fast-talking director. <laughs> I wonder what could have contributed. Well, He's like that anyway. But... Well, Scorsese's fast-talking, yeah, exactly. but if you've ever seen him in the seventies, he's a hundred <laughs> times faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 quite difficult to understand what he's saying. I mean, obviously, because he's not mic'd up in the same way, I guess. Yeah. But still, like, he is like he is he is saying a lot of things very fast <laughs> there's this documentary and, uh, he did in 2008 called shine a light which is a rolling stones mm. concert film yeah. uh, it's like the stones live at the beacon theater in new york and it's like it's like a dream set list for a hardcore fan like me but unfortunately mm. that year keith richards had fallen out of a tree in the caribbean and uh, his playing leaves something to be desired yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> and also they're introduced by bill that, clinton that actually that oh, sounds they're like introduced by Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, no. Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> Just Bill Clinton being like, let me do the guitar solo on Gimme Shelter. He's like, more likely to uh, play. Well, he's a sax man, isn't he? So maybe he oh. could do like brown. <laughs> he could do brown sugar. Yeah, Tony Blair is a guitarist. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Tony Blair doing the sitar for Paint It Black. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus Christ. Uh, shake my head, more cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Like, like, yeah, just like a whole sort of parallel universe where Rolling Stones just collaborates with former world leaders and war criminals. <laughs> like, uh, just imagining George W. Bush like, like singing Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> well, they, as well as Bill Clinton, they have they have a few guests. They've got uh, oh Charlie Watts actually said, I don't know why the Clinton bits in the movie. That was a that was a bit dull because they weren't really rock and roll people. But Mick was on. Yeah. It just yeah, having like world leaders oh, there rocks. just puts that bit of fire into it. Okay, at least Charlie Watts was like, yeah, this bit sucks. That's classic Charlie Watts. Like that was a bit dull. <laughs> I love that. Love that man. R.I.P. But um. Yeah, they, they did have a few guests at that, actually. They did almost a mini Last Waltz thing, although, uh, you know, 15 years on was not for Stone's Last Waltz. But uh, Jack White does Loving Cup with them. Uh, Buddy Guy does Champagne and Reefer, which is, like, such an awesome Muddy Waters song. Like It's like, uh, <laughs> give me champagne when I'm thirsty. Bring me reefer when I want to get high. <laughs> uh, and actually, actually, that's not a problematic impression of Muddy Waters because that's actually my impression of Mick Jagger. His impression of Muddy Waters. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 
double barrier right there. <laughs> once, once removed. Exactly. Uh, and and then Christina Aguilera does live with me with them. Oh wow! But, um, wow. I was just thinking of that because we were talking about Scorsese fast talking, and there's a whole yeah. Yeah. very contrived intro to that film where like Marty's running around backstage, like, "Where's the set list? I need the set list. Have you spoken to Mick? I, I need the goddamn set list. Just five minutes till showtime." It reminds me of Martin Scorsese's <laughs> appearance on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he's <laughs> trying to direct great. Larry David, and he's like, try it different this time. He's like, this is the 30th take. And he's like, oh, we'll get it in the next take. <laughs> I love I him, but I wouldn't want to work for him because I imagine how hellish it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I, I think he's a taskmaster. He, yeah. He cracks the whip. Well, I mean, he makes uh, great just... movies, Slow so driver. I can't complain. He, he makes great movies. Yeah. Uh, I was just uh, reminded of this series that he produced for PBS called The Blues, which oh. uh, is about uh, country music. No, obviously it's about the blues. <laughs> 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 it, uh, but, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, he, he does... Uh, he, he directed one of the episodes. Vim Vendors did one. Uh, Charles Burnett, director of Killer ah. of Sheep, did one. Um Mike Figgis, the British director who yeah. uh, uh, directed Nicolas Cage all the way to uh, an Oscar win, he did an episode. Um, and Clint Eastwood did an episode oh, on fuck. piano blues, that is which stacked. fucking rules. Well, yeah, isn't yeah, Clint, Clint Eastwood, Eastwood like a very great. good piano player? Like, doesn't he do? The oh music yeah, for yeah. His he, he's like... very into uh, like yeah, kind of old piano blues. <laughs> to as, us, it, as you'd expect. Whenever really? I think of like no Clint Eastwood singing. Therapy the breeze goes <laughs> through my grand Yeah, I always just think of that. I always just think of that fucking like he's like, I'm gonna do a slow piano ballad. He's like, what do I sing about? Oh Grand Torino. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, yeah. I, I, I wish We need to do an was... episode on that movie at some point. <laughs> oh, but have me back on for that. Grand like... Torino. <laughs> I kind of that film is like my problematic phase. Yeah, I, I it... that is one of my guilty <laughs> pleasures. Like it's hard. Haven't, haven't you done haven't you guys done an episode on Grand I swear I've listened to a real we, politic episode about at least about Clint we did Eastwood. two episodes like, where we talked about every single Clint Eastwood film okay, uh, we, we could do a deep dive on Grand Torino I think that that, Definitely. that, that deserves a lot like because as you said that is my problematic fave as well that movie is a no, lot to live to desire if there's if there's one filmmaker who I want to do like a deep dive for a leftover episode that is Without a shadow of a doubt, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> the Clint Eastwood of our day. <laughs> no, just kidding. Clint Eastwood is the Clint Eastwood of our day. He's still going man strong. still making movies. Yeah, like, man, man is still... Man is, and, man is like, honestly, like, despite being a Republican, made Richard Jewell, which is more hateful of cops than most, <laughs> yeah. like, liberal movies in America right now. Which oh, yeah, really I mean... Interesting as it's... I, I like his recent films, you know? The yeah. Mule was good, Cry Macho was... I have fun. I mean, I, I look, Cry Macho was, was not as good, but, like, the thing with Gran Torino that I think Cry Macho has to a little extent, uh, and uh, The Mule definitely has, is it's just a great, like, late-period star vehicle yeah it, it it just gives clint the kind of material that just kind of fucking you know bounces off him like you yeah. know yeah that's that's the he, wrong he phrase, knows but... what his acting strengths are like he knows he has that kind of stoic thing so he just goes with it 
Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, I think going back to like the main topic, I, th- I think I think it well, it was uh, what we were talking about was adjacent, I yeah. guess. But 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 I think the last waltz is uh, Scorsese's best documentary, at least that I've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I think you know a personal journey with Martin Scorsese through American movies. I like is that. very that's very informative. I just like that great. as a cinephile, like that exactly. That, yeah. He's got great taste and he he knows his stuff. So it's that that is a really good I mean, watch. How can he have great taste when he doesn't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, <laughs> it's just an old out of touch white man. <laughs> like, oh yeah, but it's like yeah, like that's the thing. Yeah, I think the Last Waltz might stand out as his best because I think the reason I haven't seen a lot a lot of Scorsese documentaries is most of them do push past three and a half hours. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Well, like, yeah. Standard for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like longer than the Irishman, and uh, longer than the movie. and uh, but like obviously the subject looks interesting, but it's never like a subject that fully grasps me. Like I'm fully Italian mob pilled, so I could watch yeah. like <laughs> I could watch Godfather Part One and Two in one sitting, like maybe with one piss break in between. Like I'm one of those guys. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I mean, obviously we we mentioned earlier because he had to like detox from heavy cocaine abuse before doing it, but. He went on right after this to make Raging Bull, which yeah. is, you know, pretty undeniable piece of work. Well, I, I, and then the, I, the king of comedy. Well, when we said earlier how this was like the last stage of a certain type of rock music, this does feel like the last stage of a certain type of like Scorsese movie. Like, because his 70s <laughs> movies definitely have a very specific feel when compared to like the rest of his movies. Because like that Raging Bull, for example, marks when he first worked with like. Well, he worked with her on Woodstock, but like when he got his first like full on editor who consistently worked with him, Thelma Schoenmacher, who I think yeah. very much informed his style going on Raging Bull on. Obviously, he had elements of that in his older movies, but I think once that combo happened and also he got, um, I forget, I think Michael Ballhouse, a cinematographer who did a lot of um, Fassbinder's movies, like you had a lot of collaborators oh. like that, and and obviously Robbie Robertson went on to be one of his music supervisors. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, yeah, like and doing a very good job of it, from what I can see. Your credit where credits due, yeah, and all. The, the the theme for the Irishman goes really fucking hard, like you know, but yeah, like it's one of those, um, yeah. So like, I I guess maybe like he did stop using coke right after this and before Raging Bull, <laughs> and I think. Which, yeah. I- ironically enough, his movies seem more chaotic post Coke than pre Coke. <laughs> well, you got to get that, that that energy out somewhere, yeah. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's he's sublimating. He's sublimating. Exactly. And br- bringing uh, the story up to the current day, uh, Robbie Robertson actually put out a solo album in 2019, just after The Irishman. Uh, called cinematic mm. spelt with an s for some like like a christian cinema and it was like um inspired by his uh decades of film soundtrack work wh- whatever that means but uh yeah. it featured a cool song uh featuring van morrison called i hear you paint houses which obviously oh. was inspired by the irishman yeah um and it would be a really good song if it was just sung by Van Morrison, but Robbie Robertson unfortunately kills it with his <laughs> shit vocals. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's still making music and he's still collaborating with Scorsese. Is what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, uh, yeah, a lot of 
good stuff. Like, I don't know if he's the guy who picks the soundtrack stuff, but I know he definitely does any stuff that is original music in his films, I think. Um, I was going to say as well, I don't know if, if we even mentioned, but like, there's a couple of those weird like beat poetry bits yeah. during The Last Waltz. Oh uh, yeah, Lawrence like Ferenghetti. Michael, Ma- <laughs> Michael McClure and then Lawrence Ferenghetti. And... Um, Lawrence Ferenghetti does this like real edge lord atheist lord spread. It's so bad. Like it's like you know one of those things from like, like boo, 60s bring slash seventies, sixties slash seventies counterculture, which like absolutely does not. Like, v- this is terrible. Work Let, in twenty twenty. Let's get Clapton up to uh, t- talk about his views on immigration. That would be preferable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, um, it goes. It, he calls it. Loud prayer, <laughs> and our Father, whose arts in heaven, hollow be thy oh name. Oh my God, yeah, it sucks. Un- it sucks. Un- un- unless things change, thy wigdom come and gone. <laughs> thy will be undone on earth as it isn't heaven. Give us this day our daily bread at least three times a day, and forgive us our trespasses as we would forgive those lovelies whom we wish to trespass against us and lead us not into temptation too often on weekdays, but deliver us from evil whose presence remains unexplained in thy kingdom of power and glory. Far out, oh, man. man. To be honest, I think it's not <laughs> exactly. a 60s or 70s concert without some pretentious bullshit. You, you, like, <laughs> it just comes with the territory, you know. It, it, this is 50s, him, though. This is, this is beat poetry. This is like, yeah. this is like, these are like the people that Jack Kerouac was writing about. Yeah, yeah, like, no, this for, is 50s. For, for, I mean, for, I'm a big was... fan of beat, like, beat poetry in general, but like, I think by the 70s, beat poetry was running out of steam. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah for, for sure. But I mean, some people from that time was had had then ingratiated themselves with the rock movement. Like, Ferlinghetti, he didn't he just die like last year. He was running his radical bookstore uh, right up <laughs> right up until the very end. And yeah, he fell in with a rock crowd. And Allen Ginsberg had been uh, yeah. had been on Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder review tour. I'm I'm surprised he. He wasn't present here but i guess he didn't have a strong connection to the band uh mm. but yeah you you're right it is very of its time it yeah. is kind of, <laughs> you, you kind yeah. of expect some some guy, guy in the like middle that. of a concert <laughs> some poetry it's like get the fucking guitars out uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like that awkward bit during like an open mic night oh when someone does you know, some like, when, like the, fucking... when the when this when the slam poetry person oh. gets on stage, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's always the bit that like kills and every, the everyone mood. and everyone just kind of, and everyone just kind of like looks around like and they kind of feel bad and and you feel, and even the crowd there you get the feeling they're kind of like. They've, there's like the slightly delayed. <laughs> it's like everyone's like feeling slightly sorry for him, but like, oh yeah, but I guess we should probably cheer him as well. <laughs> oh, the, the guy who's like, really I am not going to use any backing music for this. It would just be my voice. It's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, at least they, at least they could have done some like, what is it like, uh, feast for friends, like the doors, like with some like backing, you know, like some atmosphere 
Greg backing guitars or some just shit. Just get Garth <laughs> to do some shit on his synths. Like, just... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Get Garth to do that same psychedelic interlude. That he yeah, was combine doing. it with <laughs> the genetic me, method. Combine and, it. And, and uh, <laughs> kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> I, I, I thought uh, something might be interesting to quickly do is just to look at like how many of the people at this concert are actually still alive. Like oh, yeah. who are yeah, on the yeah, lineup? Yeah. Neil Young, Bob Dylan, obviously. Yeah. Ronnie Wood, Ringo Starr. Ronnie Hawkins. Ronnie Hawkins is it, very old now, but it's still still, alive, still yeah. going. Yeah, he is still alive. You know, yeah. he was in that uh, hideous Robbie Robertson in the band documentary. <laughs> that it, you know, mm. he seemed you know pretty lucid in that. He's eighty-seven now. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, Doctor uh, John sadly no longer with us. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he, is. he died Waters in twenty nineteen. No, sadly not. Yeah, Doctor John. Doctor John died not very long ago. Twenty nineteen. Like twenty nineteen. Is Joni Mitchell yeah. still yeah, exactly. alive? I don't know. Yeah, Joni. Joni's still, still, still alive, alive. Yeah, but she's, she's retired she's from around. music now. She yeah. only paints, and I think she's well, in respect. quite poor health. Yeah, oh, she's done, you know what? done a bit. Exactly. Uh, Van? Uh, Van Morrison's Van, still around. Van's alive, but He's just like Eric Clapton is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clapton, Clapton, that guy is dead to me anyway. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I, look, I, I'm Clapton. He's got some bobs. Well, he's, I got, mean, he's a good also like Also like in the Enoch Powell kind, you know. That, well, that, that angle. yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people aren't <laughs> saying, uh, you know, well, um, look, he, 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 uh, has got mad views on the vaccine stuff, but he he had made some good music. People would be saying that, but unfortunately, <laughs> he praised Enoch Powell and stuff. So uh, I like, understand. I understand why people. Whole, there was a whole music <laughs> festival started in England to go against yeah. Eric Clapton's work. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 Clapton. I mean, you could not have a more like ungrateful looking person to go on a, ra- a racist rant, you know, oh, of God. all people. <laughs> if it was like the frontman of Screwdriver, I mean, they're still playing music founded in uh, African American styles, I guess. But but you could say, okay, there's quite a few degrees of separation between black music and the Nazi punk stylings of Screwdriver. With Clapton, it's literally straight from you know, yeah. from one to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So he he is uh, still alive. Let's give him. Let's give him that. Let's give him credit for that. <laughs> Paul e- Emily Harris is still. Yes, around. she is. Uh, Paul Butterfield died very young at forty four in mm. uh, nineteen eighty seven. Mm. I think that's most yeah. of what I can think of to say. Well, if you if yeah. you if you listen to this podcast and haven't seen the last waltz, what are you doing? But also watch the last waltz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> watch, the, watch the last waltz. Watch the last waltz. If you're feeling a bit, if you're feeling a bit bummed out by the news and by everything that's going on, if you wanna wanna have a little bit of a comfort time, you know, um, snuggle in. And uh, and 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 put on the last waltz, and uh, as as the film says, at its opening title card, uh, play it loud. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cool. Yes, <laughs> my my remote's broken, so I have to stand up to uh, turn it down. So I 
I was really high when I was watching it, so I was like, <laughs> you know what? I am going to play it loud. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if it was the copy I had, but the interview segments were very quiet, and then the music bits were very loud. So oh, I yeah, I think up, it is it like that. <laughs> I was like, turn it up, turn it down. <laughs> yeah, it said dynamics, I guess. Like, yeah. uh, just everything's not, like, compressed. See, that's how I edit every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think better for some mediums than others, you know. But yeah, I definitely have had that thing of like, it goes very quiet and you you, you almost tune out for a minute while they're being interviewed and you're like, whoa, just blast of rock and roll. Well, luckily I had subtitles, but for some reason <laughs> the one I had didn't subtitle the lyrics of the song. So I'm like, I would have liked that. I would have liked to have read the lyrics while they were singing. It's like, it was about states' rights, uh, you know. <laughs> 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 the classic band lyrics. No, I mean, oh, but this is something that would be funny to mention. I mean, again, credit where credit's due to Robbie Robertson. There was that guy who was like, uh, oh, I'm just going to... Um, I, I'm going to listen to the band by which I mean fall asleep on an accordion uh, and a book about Confederate <laughs> history or something. And this is just some hack tweeted this out. And like Robbie Robertson uh, responded to this guy, uh, like invoking this guy's uh, uh, bread and butter, his source of income. Robbie Robertson said, Oh, sorry that I couldn't be a writer for the Cleveland show. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was a very funny tweet. <laughs> it was good. You, you, you know, Robbie defends the legacy <laughs> against inter- interlopers from the fucking Cleveland show. <laughs> the fucking Cleveland show. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, cool. Let's 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 call it a wrap for today, though. Mm, uh, but. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun. Yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely great. Yeah, no, uh, as always absolute pleasure to have you on and uh yeah no this is uh, always this is this was always going to be something i was gonna enjoy talking about i'm glad i I got the feeling that you two both enjoyed oh yeah uh, whenever i get to talk about movies i just get fucking fully pissed (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's combined so many of my um, my interests yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so um yeah very glad and uh yeah as always any any sort of shout outs or social media or plugs before we go uh well follow me on twitter sort of the increasingly blurred distinction between my personal account (laughs) and the real politic account at at rp core spelt corp intel as an international such a stupid fucking name. I, I regret it every day. Uh, and um, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, hit us up on Patreon and we'll have a bunch of new episodes coming out soon. Uh, you know, sometimes we get a bunch of stuff out in a short space of time and uh, then have a bit of a fallow period. And I think this is going to be one of those times uh, we're having the fallow period now, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully we won't have an- another one immediately. Uh, but yeah, like, we- we'll-, we'll have some stuff. But in the meantime, you know, great great to be on Leftover. So I'm a big fan of. Yeah, great great to have you on. Man. Thanks thanks a lot, as always. Thanks for having uh, me on, man. And, yeah, uh, and... Uh, good to yeah. talk with you as well, Connor. Yeah, it's been very lovely yeah. to talk to you as well. I think the first time as well. Yeah, totally. I've I, I've heard your voice before as I've uh, tuned into 
It's movie time, baby. Oh, I didn't but... even have to shout it out. You did it for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was not uh, on mic for that. I was uh, purely a spectator. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank very you. good. Purely but, uh, a writer yeah. for the spectator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pay my bills. Uh, yeah, I've got, got Tacky's collar. Julius tuning yeah. in, tuning he, in on behalf of the spectator. He softened his, his stance on the Vermacht, so they had, they, they had to get some really real rap. Just, just doing some Golden Dawn out apology, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my next, my yeah. next article, why the band's uh, self-titled 1969 <laughs> album tells it how it is about states' rights. <laughs> <laughs> why why the use of confederate flags sh- should mean the bandits should not get cancelled yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah um, yeah as always I'm, I'm Arjan at Arjanistan on Twitter and I'm Connor at Oh My Peepee Hurt on Twitter where you can see me tweeting about Martin Scorsese films all the time and also hating on Marvel films just like the god himself so. yes <laughs> <laughs> got to be done yeah we are a, we are a strictly anti-Marvel we are strictly anti-Marvel look, <laughs> look you, know, you can have your passions but I draw the line at Harry Potter and no, Marvel that's no, where I draw the no, line that's where I draw the line it's the, yeah. you gotta uh, um, diss Marvel to have respect for Sin you 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 gotta you got you gotta you gotta have some standards. Some, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, exactly. Uh, but uh yeah. And uh yeah, we are at Leftover Pod on Twitter, on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash leftover pod. Massive thanks to all of our supporters as always. Our new Patreon episode is up. Uh, and if you like what we do and have thought about helping us, please do. It helps us a lot. Um, yeah, just uh, this this new relaunch, just trying out new uh, new episode ideas and things like that. So if you have any suggestions as well, so do send them our way. Of anything that you'd like uh, like to see us cover, um, we'd always like to love love to hear back from you as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, obviously a huge thanks to Connor for the production. A huge thanks to Cardio for the uh, for the music. A massive thanks to all of you for listening to jack for coming on today and uh yeah we'll see you all next time cheers i picked up my bags and went looking for a place to hide when i saw old carmen and the devil walking side by side and I said, hey, come on, come on, let's go downtown. She said, I gotta go, but my friend can stick around. Ooh-hoo. Take a load off, Fanny. Take a load for free. Take a load off, Fanny. Moses, there's nothing that you can say. It's just old Luke, and Luke is waiting on the judgment day. Hey, Luke, my friend, what about a young Anna Lee? He said, Do me a favor, son, I want to stay and keep an Anna Lee company. Take a load for free. Take a load.